among many of the traditions that happen, it seems, these days in our culture is Christmas time is also a time for um, new movie releases. And uh, did anybody go see any new movies this week? Anybody get out? Seeing that? Okay, great, great. I won't ask you which ones, but uh, anybody see, but I will ask you, anybody see Mary Poppins Returns? Well, you did. Good. Yeah. Megan and I did too. We, we went, we kind of went to see, we were curious and see if it's something we would take the grandkids to. I'm not sure at their age, but, uh, we went a few nights ago and, um, we saw, I think between us, we saw most of it. We took turns falling asleep. It was a, okay, we had everybody, we had everybody at our house for two days and then we went to a movie. I don't know the wisdom of that, but, um, what we saw of it was fun and, um, uh, we're not sure we like it quite as much as the old one from when we were kids, you know, but it was still one. What was really fun about this one though, whether you, uh, choose to see it or not, there was a couple cameos that were really delightful and Dick Van Dyke make, makes a cameo appearance. He's 93 and he's still singing and dancing just a little bit. That's, that's him there. Uh, and he even gets up on a desk and does one of his little kind of character Dick Van Dyke dances in it. And then Angela Lansbury is also, she makes a cameo too, is the balloon lady at the end. And, um, and as she's selling the balloons at the end, it's kind of the climax and everything's coming together and there's a song about um, everything is, um, there's nowhere to go but up. And so she's selling these balloons and getting out. And to each person that comes to her balloon, she says, choose wisely. Choose wisely. It seems to indicate that there is one special balloon uh, here for you. Make sure you pick the one for you. And as one by one, the little children take them and then their parents take them, they grab a balloon and, and they begin to float up into the sky and to the song of nowhere to go but up. And it's clear that some people choose wisely and some don't. The bad guy in the movie is a, a banker played by Colin Firth. And uh, he takes a balloon and he takes the balloon it limply falls to the ground and he does not go up. And he obviously has not chosen wisely in his balloon. And the message here is that in the way that he has lived his life and run his bank with unfair practices and cutting people out, he has not chosen wisely as to how he would run his life or business. Choose wisely, uh, Angela Lansbury's character says as she hands out these balloons. This phrase, choose wisely, stuck with me as I was looking to today's message as we turn our attention to the Magi or those to whom we have, we have come to call them wise men, wise men. And the lessons we learn from their story teach us some things about wisdom. You may have received some Christmas cards that say wise men still seek him or maybe you've received some 21st century cards that say wise women still seek him, whoever, wise people still seek him. And that's where we're headed this morning on this. It's not just that Sunday. It's also on the liturgical calendar. It's the first Sunday after Christmas. It's Christmas time, so we sing carols. Even though we sang them during Advent, we broke the rules a little bit, but there are no liturgical police, so we're in good ground. But uh, today is that first Sunday of Christmas when we continue to recognize and celebrate the coming of Christ Matthew 2 actually leads us into the season of Epiphany in the next week. But today I want to just look at this around this theme of wisdom and choosing wisely and what we might be able to learn from them and from this very familiar story. As Darlene read today, some of you could have done this and probably repeated much of the story. We know Matthew 2. We know Luke 2. Those are the two places that talk about the events around the birth of Christ. But let's try to come with a fresh look today. And get at this, that as the wise men chose to follow and find Jesus and worship Jesus so long ago, let's be men and women 
who make those wise choices today and do the same. We'll look as that the wise still choose to seek him, just as these wise men did. The wise still choose to worship him as they did, and the wise still choose to serve him. The wise men came seeking. They said, where is the one who has been born king of the Jews? The wise still choose to seek him. First of all, we need to make clear we're not really sure who these guys really were. It doesn't say that they were kings, even though somebody wrote a song and says. It doesn't say that there were three. There's an Old Testament, obscure Old Testament reference to kings coming to worship, but we don't know if that fits here or not. It doesn't say where they're from, just they come from the east. And again, the song says they come from a place called Orient Ar. We three kings of Orient Ar. But we don't know where. It doesn't even say that they're wise, but it says that they are magi. Probably the root of that word is someplace in Persia to the east. Uh, that word associated in, in the culture there with astrologers who were also learned people in philosophy and science. They were considered to be bright people and wise people. Some have interpreted and think that they were perhaps descendants of the Jews, the Jews that were, that were exiled to Babylonia many years before in Daniel's day, and, and not everybody came back, you know. Some stayed there and built a life there, and perhaps they were their descendants. But others clearly think and believe that they were Gentiles, and it represents the Gentiles now coming. Now the door is open uh, to the Gentiles to come in to the kingdom of God. We don't know. We know more about them by what they said here and what they did in Matthew 2. They come and ask, where is the one who has been born king of the Jews? We saw his star in the east, and we have come to worship him. And that's what they did. Whatever else they might have been or known, these three or four or who knows how many wise men were watching and expecting, watching and expecting. They were watching and expecting God to, God to speak, God to act, God to, to, to make himself known. Their quest shows kind of a, a readiness. It says, we just saw the star, we thought we'd show up. It said, they were very specific about it. They were watching the stars. All of the ancients watched the stars. They really believed that, that the destiny of, of men and women was influenced by the stars. But they, these guys seem to have a deeper awareness of God, the God of Israel, not just a, a, a deity, but the God of Israel. They knew to watch and they knew to expect. There's a well-known historian from the time of Jesus named Josephus, which gives us some non-biblical background of things at that time in history. And the historian Josephus tells us there was a heightened expectation in the world at that time. There was a sort of this imminent announcement that, that, that this Messiah, that something, somehow God was going to break in. There was an act of God to bring one who would deliver people from bondage and deliver people from the limitations of life. And so Josephus says there was a heightened expectation at that time. And these guys were watching and expecting. And it's wise for us to be watching and expecting too. Maybe not watching the stars, but looking for where God is at work. Looking for evidence of his love. Looking for and waiting for his power to change lives. In the, and we, sometimes we look for the big pictures, but sometimes it comes in the very small, small matters that are important where God could guide us in a decision, or God speaks into a situation where choices need to be made, where assurance needs to be received, where simply the gift of comfort and peace needs to be grabbed onto, and we watch and we wait for it in prayer, and God brings it. We're wise to, to watch for it and act for it and to expect God to act and to watch for it.
When you are praying for someone or you're praying for some thing, it's wise to watch for where God is work. Your stories of God at work giving peace and confidence when we're not getting the answers you want even encourages those who watch and wait. Wise people choose to pray. Wise people choose to watch. Wise people remember daily to expect God to speak and to move. These guys were watching and expecting. We also see these wise men reading and heeding. Forgive the play on words, but they do. They read the word and they heed what it says. By reading, I mean the word of God, the scriptures. It's possible they were familiar with Numbers 24, 17. Some think this speaks of the star. It says, I see him, but not now. I behold him, but not near. A star will come out of Jacob. A scepter will rise out of Israel. So there's something about the star way out there. And perhaps they knew that. And that was part of what they were looking for in their expectation. Somehow they know that the star was about a Jewish king, not just out of king. But they, they say we come to see the king of the Jews. And so they come to Jerusalem, they come to the capital to seek more information. Now these guys in their story have, uh, have made for some funny comments and comics over the years. And I, I just want to take a little break here, if it's okay. I know you like to be serious 100% here at Naperca, but I, this one just made me laugh. I, anybody read Argyle Sweater in the Daily uh, Trib? I love, Larry and me, we talk about it all the time. But anyway, th- this was a few weeks ago. I love this. It says, um, look, we appreciate the other gifts. Well, what are we supposed to do with this guy? And it says at the bottom, the untold story of the three wise men and their gifts of gold, frankincense, and merv, capital M-E-R-V. So what do we do with merv? So, And then, of course, I always have to show one like this, too, where it talks about the three wise women. Casseroles for the week, fresh diapers and formula, in-home nanny. After the three wise men left, the three wiser women arrived. <laughs> and some say they would have asked for directions sooner, too, but... Uh, this one has nothing to do with the wise men or anything, but I just thought that was hilarious. It says, um, uh, pre-tangled Christmas lights. Isn't that great? I love that. You might as well... Well, let's move on anyway. I thought it was funny, but... <laughs> That's my wisdom on tiny lights. They don't work, throw them away. Larry's very patient. Larry tests every light, makes them work, throw them away. Anyway, seriously, back to the wise men. We, they become so familiar in our stories that we can make these kind of jokes about them, and yet something powerful was going on here. They were seeking the Messiah, and they looked to the word of God. It prompts King Herod, who is a paranoid King Herod, but we'll get to that in a minute. It prompts King Herod to consult his chief priests and teachers of the scriptures. We're going to look at what the word says. And they find Micah 5, and Matthew quotes it in the reading that we heard today. And reading that, they discover that the Messiah would be born in Bethlehem of Judah the one to be shepherd of God's people. Bethlehem, out of you will come, will come one who will be the shepherd of his people. This is a prophecy from 700 years earlier. Sometimes we tend to look at old Bible stuff that's sort of compressed and happened within a certain period of time. 700, that's like for us now, something that was said in the 1300s and waiting for it to be fulfilled now. That's a long time to wait. But here it was, written and waiting to be fulfilled, and it names Bethlehem. This story we have them reading, but in this story we also have the wise men heeding the promptings of God, the signs he clearly gave. In this case, in a dream, God says to them, don't go back to Herod, and they listen and they heed it. 
That's that paranoia I referred to. Herod was a king uh, over the Jews, but not a Jew himself, and he'd reigned for over 40 years. And he was threatened by the possibility that another king would come and take his place. And it led him to kill all those babies, two and under. God speaks the wise, choose to seek, listen, and heed the word of God. They choose to read. The wise still choose to seek and the wise still choose wisely when they choose to spend time in the word, seeking him daily, reading the word, watching where God is working, what he is saying, and listening to his promptings and even his whispers that guide and protect us as we read and we heed what God reveals to us. The wise still choose to seek him. The wise still choose also to worship him. For all we don't know about these guys, like what's a magi, what's, was he Jew, Gentile, how far is, we clearly know why they came. They say, we saw a star in the east and we have come to worship him. They are purpose-driven magi. They could have done a whole seminar series, small groups, all church-wide study. We know what to do and we're headed for it. They were, very, they were focused magi. They were strategic magi, those words that we just love to use. We know what we're going to do and we pursue it and we do it. But they were, they were very focused on this. We saw a star in the east and we have come to worship him. And they did. And they worshiped with confidence. They speak with certainty. Not, gosh, we're just going to kind of head west and see what we run into. They have come with certainty. They come to worship and they do with great joy and reverence. Verses 10 and 11 say this, that when they saw the star, they were overjoyed. On coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother Mary, and they bowed down and worshipped him. They were overjoyed. There was a genuine excitement of theirs in finding Jesus. The answer to their longings and their expectations. This is just what they had hoped to find. Great joy. There was great joy in many of your homes on Tuesday when the right gifts were received. Sometimes the joy was in the receiver of going, this is just what I wanted. And sometimes the joy is in the giver going, oh good, I didn't blow it this time. I got you the right thing. (laughs) Sometimes there's that joy. There's joy for the giver, for the receiver. There's our own joy of receiving, but we also find joy in others' happiness. When we see somebody else get what they wanted and what they needed, we have great joy in that. There's joy in that kind of discovery. That joy in the giving and receiving of gifts is what we hope to experience through the season rather than obligation and hit and miss, which is sometimes what happens in our gift-giving life, right? Joy. There's great joy in what they experienced, but there's also a reference here. It says they bowed down and worshipped him. There's no question in their minds about who this was. They're wise. They had been reading, they'd been watching, they'd been listening, and they got it. They got it, and they worshipped in reverence. It's really amazing when you consider the, the, the circumstances here. They came to worship a newborn king, but they found him in a, in a cave, in a stable, in an obscure, small town with very unroyal parents. But they recognize who it is. It's also amazing when you consider the darkness swirling around this whole little scene, this paranoid, scheming, and evil, Herod, cranky, angry chief priests and teachers who are ready to revise history if they can. There's a darkness there going on, the low uh, state of what they find, and yet in the midst of that joy-filled worship of the wise men, 
And it comes really in kind of stark contrast to the world around them. And sometimes our worship needs to be that way too. We kind of worship no matter what. We worship when the world around us seems to be getting darker. You might not want to read all those reviews of 2018 this week and the prophets of doom for 2019 because there's things that concern us deeply. And the people who have found Jesus say, we worship all the more. We worship even in the midst of that darkness that swirls around. We worship the eternal in the midst of this temporal that is around us. We stand on the side of truth and light even when it seems like there's more and more falsehood and darkness. We worship with joy even in the midst of it and we worship with deep reverence. We choose to do that. We choose to do that as followers of Christ. There's also something here about, okay, I'm going to play on words one more time. Presence and presence, okay? Presence and presence. I say we're most familiar, we're, most of us are familiar with those gifts that the, the Magi brought. And they did not bring a guy named Merv, uh, but they brought myrrh, um, which was used uh, in, in, um, in embalming, actually. They brought these three gifts, and that's how we've figured out there must have been three, and we don't know if that's true or not. It seems to be the basis of some of our own gift-giving at Christmas. But let's look at it. It says, they opened their treasures and presented him gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Some have suggested over the years that these were, uh, these were expensive gifts and therefore they provided the funds for this sudden trip to Egypt. Like, it kind of seems funny to get a gift and then, you know, exchange it for, for money to pay for the trip. But some have suggested perhaps that's what happened. But let us say more importantly that those gifts expressed worship. They were valuable gifts and they expressed their worship of this little baby. They chose to give something of of deep value to him. The wise still choose to worship. The wise still choose to give their presence of gifts, of tithes, and of offerings. We received our offering today. That offering is not just to support a church budget. It's not just to meet the expectations of, boy, the giving is usually really good at the end of the year. This will help get us through. While that is true, that's not why we give. We give because it's actually part of us. It's something that we have been earned or been given. That's something that's been given to us. So it's something valuable to us. And, and by giving it, we, we, we give it as an act of worship to an even more valuable source to our Lord and Savior. We give it as an expression of thanks for what we do have. We give it as an expression of worship. We bring our presence. But we also worship with our presence, P-R-E-S-E-N-C-E. And that doesn't mean just showing up and being physically present, but being fully present, really, to God. I like the word engaged. In fact, years ago, I, uh, I did a study, a men's study, and the title of the book was Married But Not Engaged. Some of the men go, I don't get it, and the women go, totally get it. But anyway, um, not, you, you're there, but you're not fully engaged with what's going on. And so that was a book about men and their responsibility in marriage. But I think sometimes we need to look at church that way, too. There's so many different ways that we can measure the health of a church or, or how things are going. And so we measure the size of, of membership of a church. We measure the attendance in a church. We measure the giving. And those are all important indicators. And there's not really a, 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 as, as reliable way to measure it. But I, I always feel like we need to be measuring engagement too. Someone may be there on a regular basis, but are they really engaged with what God's doing? Are they really engaged with the ministry of the church? 
Some may show up and volunteer and it's the best that they can do, but what we hope for each one in their walk of faith is to be engaged with the mission of the church and with the mission of God that's being worked out in the midst. So we worship not just with our showing up. That's a, that's a, that's a good, big step. But we worship with a deep presence of engagement as well. Whether it's in a church building on Sunday or a quiet corner in our home or walking in the woods, which is my favorite, this kind of worship has nothing to do with style, nothing to do with music. This worship is a coming before God, listening and praising and responding, being fully present to him. The wise still choose to worship and to be fully present no matter where they are. Finally here, the wise still choose to serve him. Verse 12 says, And having been warned in a dream not to go back to Herod, they returned to their country by another route. Actually, it doesn't say anything about serving. But it does raise the question about counting the cost and, and, and who we follow or who's your king and counting the cost. The wise men came to Jerusalem looking for a king. They came to King Herod. There's one king. And now we've got two kings. We have one who is very evil and treacherous and influential and one who is a newborn baby. <laughs> There's two kings in the story. And Herod tries to trick them and says, tell me where he is so that I can worship too. And then the Magi found out that he was lying to them. But now they had a choice. Who, who would they serve? In some ways it seems... Easy, and yet here's this little tiny helpless baby born king of the Jews, or do we serve this full-grown, murderous, treacherous Herod? Well, it would seem like they not, but, but think about that a little bit. If they served Herod, he actually might reward them greatly. If they do give in to him, there could be some benefit for them, or at least to spare their lives. If he's somebody that would take the lives of little infants, he certainly could take theirs if they don't respond to him. So there was some risk in the decision that they made. And Jesus was just a baby. I mean, they could, they could answer Herod and they could serve him and they could come back later when this guy, this little baby grows up and really is a king. Maybe they could serve Herod now and Jesus later, make one of those kind of decisions. Kind of like, I'm just going to do things the world's way now and I'll get religious later. You know? <laughs> Maybe they could have the best of both worlds. Maybe they could have their cake and eat it too. But their choice is clear, isn't it? <laughs> They will worship Jesus and get away from Herod. I think all the way back to the final chapter in the book of Joshua, where Joshua is, is speaking to the children of Israel as they're ready to move into the promised land. He says, choose this day whom you will serve. And then there's a long list of all these other gods, the gods of Egypt, the gods of Mesopotamia, all that. He says, choose this day whom you'll serve. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Choose wisely. Or like Jesus taught in the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew 6, 24. He says, no one can serve two masters. Either you will hate the one and love the other, or you will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. Choices. Choices of what will take our time. Choices of what we'll, uh, we will give our affections to. Choices of, of what we will give our attention to and let our mind dwell on. Choices about what will be most important to us. Are all choices that demand wisdom of us. The wise choose to serve God. 
The wise allow their priorities and values to be shaped by him. The final words of this passage are simply descriptive narrative words. They say they return to their country by another route. But it got me thinking about being wise and about where we go with what we know. They went home with some new knowledge and some new awareness. Where do we go with what we know? It takes me a little bit to a sort of the shorthand summary of our church mission statement, which is no love serve. You've seen it on the wall, you've seen it in the bulletin, and you've seen it on the little banners in the parking lot, or maybe you haven't ever noticed them, but they're there. We had a church consultant on our property say they're much too small. Well, sorry, but anyway, they're there. Um, <laughs> um, but no love service incorporated into our vision of a church. Our vision that says uh, our vision is to be an increasingly diverse, compassionate community committed to knowing, loving, and serving Jesus in our neighborhoods and world. There's a sense of go to our vision of who we need to be here as compassionate people. A variety, a diverse group of people, but one in Christ and compassionate, and yet knowing, loving, and serving Jesus here, and it's something that takes us there to our neighborhoods and our world. The wise men were Gentile others. They were others, but they came seeking, and they came to know what God was doing. The wise men also came recognizing the deity of Jesus, and they came worshiping, and they expressed their love and their adoration of him. But the wise went from there and we assume to serve to their own neighborhoods, to people in other parts of the world. And in some ways, they might have been the first missionaries. They made wise choices to seek, to worship. And we believe that we are called also to be wise in how we serve. So here's a few questions to reflect on as we wrap it up. First of all, this question about expecting and and watching. Where do you see God at work and making himself known? This is something to look for on a daily basis. You've heard Pastor Diana talk about journaling. I'm not a big journaler, but I, I try to make it a practice of watching where God is at work. And I know that there's things I need to do to make myself more alert. So I'd like you to ask yourselves that question as well. And secondly, how do we feel about our ability to truly worship? And I think we need to ask ourselves as we head into the year, what, I, what can I do to, to perhaps grow in this area? Not just show up, be engaged, though, in the worship of God. And certainly questions about where to serve and where God would have us serve him in new ways here and out there as we trust him. The balloon lady, Mary Poppins, says, choose wisely, choose wisely. And the word of God says to us, in the example of the wise man, the Magi tells us, choose wisely. Let's pray. Oh God, the story is so familiar. It is still very much your word and still very much has power to influence us, impact us, perhaps convict us, and definitely to change us. So Lord, may this simple and familiar word and story be used by your spirit to draw us deeper to draw us to a a deeper sense of engagement with what you are doing, Lord, and watching for your work, and a deeper sense of your call in our lives to serve you and to make you known. We pray this and we ask it all in your name.